Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we bring you Talking in Circles. We're going to discuss the weekend that was at Michigan, uh, plus we'll also discuss Eric Jones and Christopher Bell, new rise for Christopher Bell in 2020, don't know, or 2021. We don't know where Eric Jones is going to go just yet. We'll discuss that as well. Kevin Harvick won both cup races at Michigan. We'll talk to that. But first, we're going to talk to the driver who finished 14th in the Truck Series race at Michigan and how he is helping the community on and off the, uh, off the track with his Helping Hands campaign. That is Dawson Cram, who finished 14th uh, at Michigan in the Truck Series race. Uh, Dawson, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, how are you doing tonight? I'm well. I'm well. So, um, what, we'll start there at Michigan. What a run you had there. Um, no doubt there was uh, a lot of cautions in that race, but for you going to your first time ever at Michigan, uh, a track that can be very intimidating. It's a big two-mile uh, oval, wide-open, high speeds for a driver at 18 years old to go out there and, and finish in the top 15 uh, in a truck that not a lot of people know as far as, you know, they're not. it's not a big-time organization like the Nieces or the Thor Sports and stuff like that. For you to beat a lot of those guys, how did that feel? Well, it's, it's an extreme honor to get to race at this level and go to places like Michigan Motor Speedway and be around the NASCAR people. And it's great success to be able to do what I'm able to do with the equipment that I was given. Uh, that was Long Motorsports' best finish ever, so it feels really good to be able to get them their best finish ever and just gain momentum and going to new tracks and learning. For sure, and, and I'm sure – Anytime you go in this truck series, uh, being at 18 years old, anywhere you really go, you're going to learn a lot. Uh, where where did you start as far as um, racing was is concerned? I understand, you know, and, and for people that in cram might ring a bell. I, I know for me personally, it did because uh, your father was was a Bill L, Bill Elliott, former crew chief in the '94 car. He's worked in the sport a while, and your uncle Clinton is a crew chief as well. But talk about your racing background. How you started. I understand you drove some Bandoleros, Legends, and Late Models. Uh, how you started racing and how you got to the Truck Series, and the connection between um, your dad and your uncle, and how that's helped or you know uh, helped you really grow in this sport. So I started out in Southern California. That's where I'm originally from. I started on the dirt tracks at five years old in a mini door, and I kind of got started in that because my family is a racing family. They've been racing two generations before me. So my dad, when I was little, you know, put me in a mini door, saw that, you know, I had something wrong with us. And then when I was eight years old, I moved out here to the East Coast and started racing Bandoleros on the asphalt. And then also I raced with FKE. I was their development driver on dirt in the outlaw cart, those little wing sprint cart things. And then I got for to asphalt, ran all the, short tracks on the east coast and ran road courses and that kind of in my opinion the legend cars were the biggest growth for me that taught me a lot about handling the different types of racetracks giving feedback and then i went from there to a late model and ran on some short tracks on the east coast and that kind of taught me the longer races how a bigger car handles the weight that they carry and how you kind of strategize a longer race and then 
having most of my family be involved in the sport is a tremendous blessing given that I'm in love with the sport and they can help me grow and just they've been teaching me since I was five years old how to become a race car driver and just preparing me the best they could and I'm extremely fortunate to have them as my family and my surroundings because without them I wouldn't be where I was right now my dad is extremely knowledgeable and Clinton also their brothers Brian and uh, Buddy Uh, Brian worked with Junior Dale Junior and Buddy also worked with Bill Elliott some so just being around racing my entire life kind of got me to this point and some things fell together when I was 16 I made my first truck star and we just kept going from there whatever it took that's really great uh and and certainly always helps to you know have some knowledge uh in the sport how how if you could explain to the fans listening and, and somebody who you know um they, some people who aren't in the sport what does that mean to have that knowledge as far as you know your father and your uncle and and your it sounds like a lot of your family members in this sport um to kind of teach you how how to go about a race weekend and how to go about uh you know, getting prepared for a race and all that kind of stuff. Does, is that an advantage? Do you think that way? How How is it an advantage for you as a race car driver? It's a extreme advantage. Probably one of the most important things in racing is being comfortable. See, my first ever truck race, I was extremely scared and nervous, of course, and that would have been so much worse if I didn't have my dad there who, you know, spent years and years as a cup crew chief, a truck crew chief, an Xfinity crew chief. So he knew the lingo. He knew the flow of the garage. And a funny thing that we always joke about is to run good at a racetrack, you first need to know where the bathrooms are because you go to a racetrack, you don't know where the bathrooms are. You're having to ask people where the bathrooms are and you're just, you just feel uncomfortable. So the comfort is one of the biggest things. Once you're comfortable, you can just be completely focused on, the racing. For sure. And, and hey, Dawson, uh, um, oh. go ahead, Philip. You're good. Yeah. Um, hey, Dawson, Philip Matthew here. Uh, thanks for coming on. I wanted to ask you I know that we we're talking about the racing side of things. Uh, great run you had on uh, Friday. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the helping hand deal because that's kind of where it started for me and kind of now I'm talking, connecting with your yourself and your mom and the whole family. Um, give us a little background on this uh, charity and uh, what you're trying to bring attention to. All right. Well, uh, first off, thank you for the praise and thank you of course, for having me on this podcast and giving me this platform. But uh, the Helping Hands Tour is a tour track-to-track where we are giving back to, you know, some smaller hospitals. We've done two children's hospitals, which included um, Norton Children's Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky, and C.S. Mott Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And American Mass Company came on board with me and they said why don't we do this deal where we give back and bring recognition to you know firefighters police officers healthcare officials military personnel all the people who are you know fighting for this great nation and this 
troubling times and just bring awareness to them, get the fans involved somehow with donations. And then uh, American Mask Company luckily came on board and supplied us with sizable donations to the hand-chosen children's hospitals that we've chosen so far, me and Henry. Uh, the owner of American Mask Companies, you know, get on a call every week that we're doing it and handpick a hospital that we see worthy or where it would make the biggest impact. And that's that's probably a big part of being a NASCAR driver at this level that I see is you have a platform to give back. You have that ability to give back. So being a follower of Christ myself, I feel it's necessary to give back because of all the blessings I've had in my life, I'd like to use this platform to give back the most I can. I understand um, you are handwriting all the names of the on of uh, the, the, on a truck each week. Every time that somebody donates, you you handwrite the names, and you're a real big force. And as you explain it, it's your faith. But um, can you explain just the process of it for? Uh, somebody who, if somebody might be interested in, in purchasing a uh, hand, um, and I know Long's Motorsports has a, a, a link you can click as well. If you go to longsmotorsports.com and, and go there, you can click a link. Uh, but you can can you expl- explain the process? Just how you know if somebody buys a hand, what what they would get in, and uh, how you know you would put the put the name on the car. And uh, I understand there's a hero card that comes with it as well. If you could just explain that process. So if a fan were wanting to help donate, they would first have to go to longmotorsports1.com forward slash store, or backslash store, my bad, and then go to the Helping Hands Tour link on there. It'll be a handprint. You click on that. You make a purchase. You can either buy one. You could buy 100. Everything helps. And then that goes into, like, a data logger. And you can either put a military personnel's name or a health care provider, a police officer, a firefighter, anybody's name that you want, or it could be your name on the truck. And when you do that purchase, you put in your email and your address. And to me, I put a decal on the truck. I handwrite the name that they have chosen to go on the truck, and then I sign a hero card and send it out to them. Nice, nice. Now again, that uh, we'll, we'll tweet out the the link to for the Helping Hands, uh, and so if fans are interested and they're listening, they can go on to our Twitter and Facebook page. We'll, we'll put that out there for the fans uh, to purchase. Um, can, can you tell us, you know, an example as far as a, a story you've heard? I know there's been I'm sure a lot of great stories tied into this Helping Hands uh, campaign that you guys have been running, but is there one that stands out in your mind? that you sit there and go, wow, that's really incredible that somebody went out there and, uh, you know, made that commitment. I understand somebody even bought like maybe 10 hands at one time. Uh, is there a story that really sticks out to you so fans can get an idea of, of just what people are using this platform for? So there was an officer in my hometown of Mooresville that was shot last year. His name is Officer Sheldon. And when that happened, the entire community gathered around and showed their respect to him. There was you know, a big parade in the town for his funeral and someone purchased a handprint with his name on it and his badge number. So it was, it meant a lot to be able to 
get that honor to carry someone's name that, you know, put their life on the line and sadly it was taken just out there uh, protecting the good people in my town every single day is an extreme honor to write his name and have it right there on the driver's door. And that's really what it's all about is giving back to these people that are risking so much to make sure that America stays great and that uh, normal citizens can just prosper. Yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah. it's, it's something to think about uh, all the people, all the sacrifice, all the, the, first responders, the cops, and uh, first aid fire fighters that have been affected in in general, but not in in now in our current times. And that's a great story. Um, to transition into something more uh, in towards you again and your racing, I I find it pretty cool that when you have a four-time Truck Series champion, one of the greatest. Uh, NASCAR drivers in probably the last, you know, 30 years, uh, basically uh, talking about how good you are and the potential you have and the the current spotter for Kevin Harvick, uh, Tim Fidoa, and then also Don Hawk, who's been a, a big-time uh, PR guy. I was curious to think, what, what did you think when you're getting Ron Hornaday, Tim Fidoa, Don Hawk, amongst others, talking about you and your potential and your talent at such a young age. And how does it feel kind of, you know, being uh, an a underdog and being able to go and prove yourself in this way and show that, you know, just by doing it with this small family effort, being able to go and, and run against as what Clayton asked earlier and ta- talking about some of these top line teams. So it brings me ex- extreme joy and satisfaction to get praise from such great people who mean so much in the sport, but it's also humbling. And to start off the first person you mentioned, Ron Hornaday, He's actually my mother's godfather and drove my grandpa's late model out in Southern California. So there, there's family ties there. My dad was his crew chief at DEI. So once I started getting to the truck series, I started going over to Ron's house because it's only about five minutes from my house. And I go and hang out in his shop and just get advice from him because he's someone that was extremely successful in the sport, someone who understands singing go to something. And Ron is just a badass driver. Like, hands down, that man can get it done. So that knowledge is priceless. And the fact that he thinks I'm worthy enough to get it for free, and that's just an extreme honor. And then Tim Fidoa, he I've worked with him twice now, and he's an amazing spotter. It's insane to have someone like a cup spotter for Kevin Harvick be in your ear with the knowledge that he has as far as race procedures, lines. I worked with him at Phoenix, and we all know that Kevin Harvick is unstoppable at Phoenix, and he helped me so much through that race. You know, in that 150 laps, I learned so much from Tim being in my ear. And then Don Hawk, you know, someone being that respected in the industry, giving me praise. I've known him since I was eight-year-old, 
eight years old racing bandos. It, it makes me feel like I'm doing right if I'm getting this recognition from these people who have watched me growing up. And that's all I could ever ask for is to just be doing the right thing with what I have. Another one of your supporters, and something interesting I'm not sure a lot of people know about you, is what you do uh, during Xfinity Series races. Another one of your supporters is Brian Barry, who is a crew chief for Jesse Little and JD Motorsports, Johnny Davis's team, uh, over in the number four car. And I understand you work there uh, for Xfinity Series races. How does that help you? And can you explain what you do to the fans for the fans? And how does that help you um, as a race car driver and making you understand the cars better? and everything that goes into a race weekend. So a big part of growing in this sport is having people talk about your name and being seen and showing that you will put in the effort to get that effort back because, you know, a crew guy isn't going to want to work for someone who won't put in the same effort that they do. And it being able to go work on these cars gives me extreme knowledge on the types of changes that you would call for in a race, being able to sit there for, you know, three hours and listen on the scanner and be a part of it, be a part of the choices on the changes that they're going to make is knowledge is the most powerful thing. So it's just gaining knowledge, gaining that respect that I will put in that work. And Brian Barry, he's helped me a ton in my career in the truck series, helping me out with knowledge. He's been my crew chief at a select few races and, it's been nice to be able to get back to him and make new friends and new connections inside the garage area and the x series because I didn't know many people inside the x garage before I started working with them. And now I've gone to probably 15 or 20 races with them so far and opened up some doors because of that. That's awesome. Uh, a few more here, and this is Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew. Uh, here tonight on Talking Circles, we're speaking to Dawson Cram, who finished 14th at the Michigan Truck Race on Friday night. Uh, how about the rest of 2020 for you, Dawson, and and even um, you know 2021, if you if you can go into that. Uh, what does the rest of the schedule look like so far for you here in 2020? And uh, what does even even next year, if you can go into that, look like for you? So, unfortunately, being a part of a small-time operation and a small racing family, I don't have a set-in-stone schedule. I am hoping to make, you know, let's just go with five more truck starts this year and at all new tracks that I've never been to and just keep learning that mentality of going to a new track every week and just learning. I'm also hoping that we can partner with a sponsor to go full-time in one of the select three series, you know, whether it be Xfinity or truck series, I'm approved for, you know, up to mile and a half in the Xfinity car now. So it is possible that I'll make an Xfinity start by the end of the year. I was, I've been talking back and forth with Brett Bodine and finally got approved for mile and a half and under. So wherever I go this year, I hope I just keep learning and bring that into next year and just keep building momentum. And hopefully someone comes aboard, you know, whether, whether it be a team looking for a wheelman or a sponsor who wants to grow with me plan wherever it goes. And hopefully I just can keep doing the right thing and having strong finishes and bringing cars home. That'd be the well, main Dawson, goal. I, for, well, Dawson, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and giving us a few minutes. Uh, 
we wish you nothing but the best here in the future. And that we know how hard uh, being a race, the life of being a race car driver can be and how cruel it can be at times. And we wish you nothing but the best. And uh, may God bless you and your family moving forward. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a good day. 14th place finish um, at Michigan at the Chuck Sears race. So uh, a huge, huge day for him and a huge guest for us. And we thank him so much for joining the show. Uh, real cool, that Helping Hands initiative, Philip. If you want to just give it one more little plug here. Uh, I know that's something you dove into here. Um, and if you could just – what inspired you to go do that and uh, what was your thoughts behind it? Yeah, it, it's – I mean, I didn't even know Dawson's – I think his own personal driving background, I think – I've heard the cram the, the the cram name. I remember it. I didn't remember it the way you did because being an Elliott fan and um, him working in the '94 car. But I I I think we were talking about it earlier. I think uh, one of them, I, his uncle, I think worked on the '55 Ice House beer truck. And I'm like, oh, I know that name. And then they're this small team, and we're in a point in NASCAR where Drivers can't get there on merit anymore. Teams are hiring, you know, ride buyers. We're contracting in this sport when we need to be expanding. And this team is a family-run organization in every step of the way. I mean, we've been talking, both you and I, I've been talking to Dawson's mom, you know, like we're we're talking about all these connections for all these years. The fact he talked about Ron Hornaday and his dad worked with Ron Hornaday, I mean, it's crazy. You're talking about a first bat, I mean, legitimately one of the greatest stock car drivers on the West Coast, but in general, in the last 35 years, you know, like 30 plus years. And for me, I said, hey, that, that is a cool thing. It's going and helping a small team. It's also going and taking uh, – doing good for 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 those who are in need in such a tough time and I said hey I'm gonna I'll donate I don't I think that it's it's well worth it I've I've done it for other small teams but I think this story and this driver and all of that I think there's something good really good that's going to come from this so it, it may not be the immediate results uh, I mean, a 14th place finish in a truck series race when you're talking about a full 40 truck field and the kind of talent and equipment that's out there, you can't sleep on that. Um, and once Dawson gets more experience, gets more seat time, this is with no practice too, starting to learn these big tracks. No practice, 14th place finish. It ain't a joke. You know, um, hopefully that Xfinity deal, he can go over to JD Motorsports. They've been a great uh, a group that goes and builds up on the young talent. And maybe he can get some starts there, run some trucks, kind of maybe go and do a little bit of everything and keep on getting that experience. Because hopefully one of these major teams in this sport kind of figures out, hey, put a couple bucks behind this kid. Uh, it, it, it could be a, a, a investment well worth 
uh, paying, it'll, it'll pay off in, in the long run. And what Long's Motorsports and all are doing for helping hands is, is a beautiful thing in this great, in this tough time that we're dealing with. It certainly is. And uh, again, if you want to donate, we'll tweet it out uh, after the show. Um, and we'll put it on our Facebook page if you want to help donate. And, you know, help change people's lives. They talked about going to children's hospitals and put uh, over in mass there for, for for free for these people. It really makes a huge difference for, for folks. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll tweet that out and, and get that out there uh, if you're interested in, in it. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here tonight. I'm talking in circles. If you want to join the show, uh, talk about anything you want to discuss, we have – Two races we, we have to talk about from Michigan the, on the Cup side of things, the Xfinity Series race from Road America, and, of course, the Truck Series race from Michigan as well. We'll dive into all that right now. We'll start with the uh, Cup Series race on Saturday, Phillip, and it was a race that was won by Kevin Harvick. Um, Kevin went up there, led 92 of 161 laps, really had a, a pretty dominant car. You also saw Kozlowski up there running the top five a lot. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. finished in the third spot. Kozlowski was second. Truex was third. Ryan Blaney fourth. Kyle Busch fifth. There was some contact on Saturday that rubbed a lot of Kyle Busch fans the wrong way. Uh, or some, it, there was close to being contact. It should be. Nobody really knows, knows whether or not they really touched. Uh, but those two, I guess. But it ended up with Kyle Busch in fifth. He was able to, to, to rebound and finish fifth. And then you had Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Bubba Wallace, and Kurt Busch, uh, the top ten. But what were your thoughts on Harvick? I mean, here's a guy who's had a, a really strong year and goes out there to Michigan and, and wins on Saturday and, and takes it home. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Saturday's event, uh, the Firekeepers Casino 400 for Michigan? Oh, it's typical. It's becoming uh, old hat that there used to be a time a few years ago when Kevin Harvick, Rodney Childers, the four team, would do what they did on Saturday and what we're going to talk about about Sunday and they'd figure out ways to lose. Uh, they'd do everything in their power, whether Harvick, something happened with him, he'd go lose his mind or Rodney would maybe make the wrong call or the pit crew sucked, which for many years they did. Um, but now you have a driver who's probably as focused as he's ever been in his mid forties and he doesn't seem to be falling off. It's almost like he's getting better with age. You have a crew chief who's at the prime of his career. And if you, I mean, you listen to the, the, the download, how much, uh, how close he is with June bug and all that. And how the stories he has, and he was a driver too. So you know him and, and Harvick and Childers. That that's the reason why Harvick. There's two reasons why I think Harvick is going to be keeping on, or three, either keep going. One is Rodney Childers and that team. Two is Tony's never going to get rid of him because he's the best driver he's had other than Tony himself. And two, three, of course, is Keelan and trying to fund that racing career because it's so expensive. But you look at how he's running. Um, his he's averaging around a sixth place finish, I think. Somewhere it's like five point nine. I mean, you're talking about Earnhardt, Gordon, you know, ridiculous kind of average finish during the Latford era, during the full, you know, the old point system. That's that's just nuts. Um 
and there was a time they wouldn't be able to do that. Now this is it's a shame that you know he he, he would have won this championship probably no problem with uh, the regular old system. Now he's going to have to hold on and hope that some stupid stuff doesn't happen in the in this chase. But what he did on sa- Saturday was put a good old fashioned woodshed whipping on him. And yeah, there were other cars that were there. There were other Fords and Brad and the the Gibbs guys showed up. And but Harvick's been ever since the the return. There's been two cars in general, but really Harvick's been the best car. He has an enormous points lead. Uh, he's going to get the regular season championship, and that'll be an additional 15 playoff points, which could allow him to coast to Phoenix. As Dawson was talking about how great he is, he could coast to Phoenix in the finale uh, with that uh, bonus. Yeah, it's really incredible to see what Harvick's done this year. And you're right. You know, I think a lot of people expected when he signed that extension, they were like, wow, he's going to be, what, 47 years old by the time he uh, that contract is up. But he's like a fine wine. Like you said, he's just getting better with age. It's amazing to watch, um, you know, him going out there and on Saturday especially and just, uh, you know, and we'll talk about Sunday's race as well, but on Saturday especially, he was really, really good. I mean, and uh, him and Ronnie Childers, he's got Childers. He's he is. They are to me right now what you mean Chad used to be. And he right now is. I don't know if people realize this. He's a hundred and thirty-seven point lead right now over second. So he could basically take three races off and still win the win the uh, regular season championship. So that just shows you just how dominant Harvick has been compared to the rest of the field now. You talked about Denny Hamlin. Hamlin's is very, very good. Hamlin's got five wins. Harvick's got six. We have two drivers right now who've won half the races. But Harvick's been much more consistent, uh, and it's just been a, a guy up there who, listen, right now they are clicking on all cylinders on that four car, and it's it's very impressive to watch. Um, I talked about the, the incident with Kyle Busch, you could call it. Um, what else stood out to you from that race on Saturday? You talked about Joe Gibbs racing. They had – all four of their four of their cars in the top eleven. Um, what did you think about the performance from Joe Gibbs Racing in the incident with Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick? And the Kyle Busch Kevin Harvick thing, they were trying to analyze it. They're trying to figure out a way to blame somebody. Uh, it it shows uh, Kyle Busch's car control that everybody that most anybody knows that watches the sport is is elite. Um, he was up there. It's one of the first times all year that he's really been up there. So for a guy who's the defending series champion who struggled, generally speaking, when you consider a guy's won eight trillion races, um, the the Gibbs cars being up there, I think, is a big deal. Even though they're not going to be racing at a track that's just like Michigan, uh, their pace overall, all four cars. I mean, even five, all five cars, they were all up front at some point during the weekend and seemingly had a big, big amount of time in the top 10. 95 did its usual, you know, bottom falling out thing. But the, I think the Toyotas finally, if Kyle Busch starts feeling good, I don't, 
it, it goes back to what we were talking about weeks ago. He's never going to be out of this deal. You give him, you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile, and and this is not the, the, a struggle. The the having this so-called struggle bus deal that he's been on doesn't really matter. It's Kyle Busch. Uh, him getting through, uh, and and you you're you're basically seeing a lot of. I mean, the top eight in a lot of ways is what this the vast majority of the season's been in terms of winning, in terms of the top guys, uh, the people who are most likely to contend for this championship. They're all there in the top eight uh, on Saturday's race. Uh, and I, I don't see very much there. There aren't very many people I would see that finished outside of that that could truly contend uh, to do anything for uh, this this points championship. Even even with some of the wild cards that we're having coming up here, like starting this weekend and going forward. Yeah, and one of the big. Uh stories on Saturday before we moved to Sunday's race was Rosh Fenway Racing. Uh, both of their cars got penalized prior to the start of su- Saturday's race at Michigan. NASCAR confiscated the spoilers of Ryan Newman and Chris Busher's car. Uh, spoilers must be used exactly as supplied from the manufacturer. Obviously, that wasn't the case. They lost 20 owner and driver points. They were fined $25,000, and the cars were forced to start at the rear of the field. Uh, and for the record, Rosh cars on Saturday finished um, 20th, and Newman ended up uh, 28th, so it really didn't help them much uh, at all. Uh, but moving forward to Sunday's event, um, which was another race and another dominating performance by Kevin Harvick, but you know he had to have – this one wasn't as easy, I guess you can say. He really had to fight the last uh, couple of laps. It really looked like you know, in certain parts of the racetrack, Denny Hamlin was a lot better um, than Kevin Harvick, but – at the end, he was able to hold him off. It was about a half a, half a car length uh, between the, the front bumper of Denny Hamlin's car and the back bumper of, of Kevin Harvick's car. Uh, but Harvick was able to go to victory lane on Sunday at Michigan as well in a pretty uh, another pretty dominating performance. But at the end, uh, Denny Hamlin made him, really made him work for it. Yeah, I think it's sort of, it's similar to Indy, you know, when they were running for the brickyard there a few weeks ago it's just the the roles were reversed um with the Harvick and and Hamlin Hamlin was able to come up he was one of the only cars all day that was able to actually go and 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 draft up and actually pass uh we we talked about the 550 package at nauseum and how uh, mediocre it is uh, for lack of uh, or not using more strong language. Um, Kevin Harvick and Hamlin have figured it out, especially with the no practice and all these different things. And, and frankly, they've gone across both rules deals and been able to win. But that was actually that actual run, that race between the two of them is why they're the two two favorites for this points championship. Um, Hamlin tried, had made him earn it. You know, they put the grip strip over there in a the high, higher side, uh, which, you know, would 
go in and out in a sense, not as much as New Hampshire the week before, but, you know, you're having to run high, but you could run low. You just have to really get through the center. And good race between the two of them, uh, going and Harvard getting another win, getting number 55 to tie Rusty Wallace. Is uh, they, they, the, the, Those are two guys, you know, you talk about, um, Hamlin, he's over where he's close to 40 or over 40 wins. Harvick, 55 wins. You think about, you know, maybe 10 years ago, would you have really thought that Danny Hamlin would have three Daytona 500s and 40 plus wins and Kevin Harvick, when he was driving for RCR, be around Rusty Walls? It, it's something to see. And, uh, it, I'm I'm hopeful that both drivers at this point, the way they've ran, I think it would be criminal that they don't get to go and have one final battle at Phoenix uh, in November for this point, for this championship, because, uh, you know, Harvick has been due to have a championship between different points systems. He probably could have multiple. Hamlin never has won one. You wonder when his time will be. Could it be this year? It's at a more favorable racetrack, even though he did win Homestead uh, earlier this summer. But we will see. It's going to be a two-horse race, and it's a question of who else is going to join him. Well, that's the you know uh, that is the question for sure. And one driver I think a lot of people point at is Brad Keselowski, and Keselowski was running for the lead with teammate Ryan Blaney. Uh, on lap 95 of, of Sunday's event, and got a little loose underneath his, his teammate, and he took both of him and his teammate out. Um, just a a racing deal, but you know, to me, I think that's just shows you, um, you know, how tough it is and how humbling the sport can be. You know, because Lasky sort of put himself on the map last weekend at New Hampshire as far as a guy who can, you know, really compete for this championship. A second place run on Saturday going for the lead on Sunday and uh, gets a little bit loose below his teammate, takes both of them out and uh, ends their day. Uh, the sport is certainly humbling at times, isn't it, Philip? Oh, yeah. You know, you're, he was on a heater there, Brad, and he had a big run. And uh, you could go both ways. They go, Brad shouldn't have been doing that. It's early in the third segment. Uh, Blaney could have been running up in the grip strip, gave him gave him room. Uh, the way these cars race, you really can't get that far low. Uh, when they had the travel in the front end with the valence up, you could kind of run that yellow line a lot easier uh, without having to worry about um, like de-wedging the car. Uh, but it's a racing deal. It is what it is. It's uh, it's a shame uh, because Brad was up there in points. He still is, but, you know, lost a lot of ground there. He lost over 30 points there and uh, or 30, yeah, at least 30 points, if not more, on uh, on Sunday. Probably closer to 40. Um, and that, I mean, it wasn't like he was going to go and get the regular season title, but he basically ended that uh, opportunity. And Blaney can't buy a break this year, but he, for all the 
the struggles and all the, you know, some of the disappointing finishes, he's fourth in points. In, in the end, Brad and, and Blaney, even for the what has happened on Sunday, they're second and fourth in points in terms of uh, playoff points. They're, I mean, Brad's in much better spot than Blaney, but they're going to be okay. Uh, it's a case of uh, showing up starting at Darlington for the Southern 500 for this uh, playoff and, and being able to take a lot of the unknowns, a lot of these races that are going to be different or because they're going to be in the playoff versus not like Darlington, like Bristol, Richmond having not run this year, and then you're going to go to Richmond, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The, the road, the road, the Charlotte road course and, Stuff like that. So uh, it's a shame because both car, both guys had good cars. Didn't have as good of a car as Harvick, but they were up there, and it would have been a good point stay. But you know, it, it's better it happens now. I think I've said that many times here. It's better it happens now in uh, August than it does a month from now when it actually counts for the championship. For sure. Um, and, you know, I think I don't think it's anything that these guys can't rebound from. You bring up a good point about Blaney. And the one thing you can say about both of those drivers is at least they've had speed this year. You know it's there. It's just, you know, for Blaney, he's got to get some luck on his side. And for Kozlowski, we've seen him win races. Uh, and I think it's just a little bit of a blip on the radar. But they've had some speed this year. They've been really, really solid. Uh, let me run you through the top ten. Then I want to get to the next point here uh, on this race uh, on Sunday. It was Kevin Harvick, as we mentioned. He was your winner. He held off Denny Hamlin. Martin Truex Jr. back-to-back third-place finishes on Saturday and Sunday. Kyle Busch finished fourth on Sunday, fifth on Saturday, so he had a good weekend as well. Joey Logano was fifth. Eric Amarola was sixth. Seventh was Matt DiBenedetto. Eighth was Austin Dillon. Chase Elliott, ninth. And uh, Kurt Busch, tenth. And when I look at eighth, ninth, and tenth, Philip, eighth place, the first Chevrolet driver um, finishing on Sunday. On Saturday, it was seventh, was the highest Chevrolet. You know, I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit on, the sh- on previous shows, but are you concerned? And and here's my concern. You know, I talked about it earlier about two drivers have won 11 races this year. Two drivers have won half the races this year. And I feel like with the no practice, if you're behind, it's going to take a while for you to really figure it out and, and solve some things. It might take all year. Who knows how long it takes. Um, my concern is about Chevrolet. We saw Hendrick Motorsports. Early in the year, went before the pandemic even, they were really, really strong. Alex Bowman was, was uh, some people had had him, you know, as an early favorite to win a championship. And, you know, he's kind of gone away. The speed of the Hendrick cars have gone away. Are you concerned about Chevrolet as a whole here um, moving forward here in 2020? Yeah, if you're a Chevy person in general, it's it, basically since they went to the Camaro, and even before that, uh, the the last year, I think, with the SS, uh, there's been this precipitous drop-off in performance, which, considering how much Chevy dominated for decades in this sport, is insane to think. Um, you look at them in IndyCar, they only really had one team until this year, but they're Pen- that's Penske. And they're they're winning all the time. You look at the Corvette team; it doesn't matter how they change a car, or whatever they keep winning. But now, when it comes to the Cup Series, especially, 
there's real, real problems, not only with the, the amount of talent that they have, but the performance of the teams. I mean, with RCR getting Reddick to move up and being the, to the aggressive driver he is and the performance he's brought, he made Austin Dillon show up. He's made RCR get better. But that's basically kind of leveled them to where Hendrick is for the exception of Clyde. Uh, Bowman is what he is. I think he's a one or two round. He makes it maybe one or two rounds. That's about as good as you're ever really going to get with Alex Bowman. Byron is whatever. Johnson may not make the playoffs again, and he'll end his career with, with in general, anonymity, which is a shame. Uh, I would have never thought that he would go out that way, but then when you look at the history of all these great drivers, the vast majority of them, didn't leave on top. So the the Chevy teams have a lot of problems. It it, it isn't just Hendrick. Uh, they're all basically flirting around that bubble uh, spot. You look at in terms of the top ten in points. There's only two uh, driver, two Chevy drivers in the top ten in points. It's Chase Elliott and Kurt Busch, and Kurt Busch is is not been good at all really I, I am shocked by how much drop off there's been with that one team this year they were really solid for most of the year last year until they hit the fence at Vegas in the start of the playoff and they just have no speed and how are you going to go and win a championship with no speed I mean short run speed long run speed they don't even have an opportunity to go and take gambles even RCR can gamble. And last year, they hit the fence every other week with one of the cars. So it's not a good look for Chevrolet. I don't get what they're trying to do. When you have the bubble and you're looking at, you know, even if you want to count Bubba in there, which is reaching, you're talking about, what is it, well, five guys from 14th to 20th that are – all Chevy drivers. And so it's it's kind of a – if you're a Chevy person, I don't know how you're able to watch these things anymore because it doesn't ha- – Chevy winning doesn't happen any very often. So it used to be every week. Now you're lucky if it isn't a plate race or if it isn't, you know, Clyde kind of backing into one or whatever, you know. That's it. So it's going to be interesting to see what Chevy can do, if they can do anything, as you said, Clayton, with the practice and all that. I don't know what they're going to be able to do, especially uh, with such a diverse uh, group of racetracks that they're going to have uh, in this chase. Yeah, and you you talked about the uh, cutoff. And right now, when you look at it, I mean, I think there's a – it's a pretty good ways now um, from 15th to to 17th and and you know I know 16th is in there right now William Byron has a, about a 26 point cushion over Eric Jones and Jimmy Johnson um, for that final spot in the playoffs uh, and then Tyler Reddick is 10 points back of that who's really um, and, and and I don't mean to 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 knock what Tyler Reddick's done this year but a lot of people and I agree with them have said Reddick's really had a good year um, and he's really shown his talent but he's 19th in points. It just shows you, I think, how far Chevrolet's dropped off here and how far our expectations have dropped for for uh, that team. And, 
you know, that manufacturer as a whole. But um, Matthew Benedetto had a really good run on Sunday. He had a decent run on Saturday, but a really good run on Sunday. It looks like he's going to probably make the playoffs unless something crazy happens, which it can. We have Daytona coming up a road course. Then, of course, you have the Daytona race, uh, the big Daytona race um, in a few weeks. Uh, but, you know, I probably ask you this question every week, and I, I want to know if it's going to change. Um, I guess through 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th, you know, you got Eric Jones, who's now a lame duck driver, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then Jimmy Johnson, who's retiring at the end of the year. Tyler Reddick, they're 17th, 18th, and 19th. And you got William Byron up there in 16th with a guy who's one of the best crew chiefs ever in Chad Knauss. Um, who do you think makes this playoffs out of those four guys? I I feel like I said it last week. I, I still believe it. I don't care that William Byron has a has a gap uh, right now, 26 on Eric Jones. Eric Jones and that 20 team, even in his current situation, uh, they they've been running good recently. He's he had a rough start to the year, lost a lot of points. You look at his teammates; they're they're third and seventh and and ninth. And of course, Hamlin's won five races. At Truex has won one, but probably's been positioned to win others. Kyle's had a relatively off year for what he is, but for there's been performance, and even with Eric Jones on on this weekend was probably. For him, it's always been inconsistent. Him and, and Blaney are very similar in that way. And I think he's going to make it. I think he's going to be able to get something out of this uh, playoff. I think Jimmy Johnson somehow pulls one out of his butt. I think Dover, he goes and, and pulls number 11 at Dover um, and, and wins. I, I don't know why. It could be fuel. It could be tire. It could be a tire strategy staying out. And he just pulls one out. It gets the golden horseshoe. He shoves it right back up his butt. And he gets one more. He gets number eighty-four or eighty-three, whatever it is. And I think Tyler Reddick, between Daytona, between Dover, you're you're got some wild card options. I think he makes it. I figure William Byron's going to fall out of it. And, and I, I, because I just don't trust that he can can finish it off. I, I just don't. I, it, there's nothing that he has done, in a, and there's not much in the cup car that I've seen him do that makes me think that with people who are hungry, like Eric Jones, who's looking for a job and maybe replacing Jimmy Johnson, or Tyler Reddick, who – that he's tied with Austin Dillon in points, and I wish he would have won that race. It would have made life a whole lot easier. But he's he's been uh, good at in spots. But there's a reason why Reddick for many years was that uh, guy that maybe is like, oh, is he really going to make it, or is he really that talented and all that? And he can bring it if he, when he puts it together. You saw what happened last year. In, in the Xfinity series with the two car when he's able to figure everything out and do things. Now you're going back to some of these racetracks twice. If he can get in there, it's going to be a problem. If he doesn't get in there, he's going to be a pest. But I hope Reddick gets in there because it would be good 
for the playoffs and also for Chevy because I think he actually gives them a shot to make a couple of rounds. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch here just because there's so much unknowns here with this road course coming up um, at Daytona here. Uh, I was going to do this a little bit later in the show, but since we're on a cup schedule, cup topic, I want to bring it up, and, and that's the Eric Jones, uh, Christopher Bell situation for 2020. And if you buried under a rock this weekend, and you're not really sure, so let me just kind of lay it down for you. We learned about uh, early, middle of last week, I think it was Thursday, that Eric Jones was not going to return in the number 20 car for 2021. Um, and that makes him a he's a free, he was a free agent at the end of the year. Everybody kind of anticipated this. Although Jones said with the conversations he's had with Joe Gibbs Racing, he was a little bit quote unquote blindsided by what happened um, and, and the fact that they announced on Thursday that he was not going to be there. Uh, we knew about earlier last week as well that the number ninety five team of Levine Family Racing was going to be sold at the end of the year, and uh, that that was not an option for Christopher Bell. So, Christopher Bell, it was announced this afternoon officially, although it was reported in the, over the weekend. It's officially announced today by Joe Gibbs Racing that Christopher Bell will take over the number 20 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing in that fourth car. Um, it's funny because – not funny, but when you look at Joe Gibbs Racing, they've had two drivers there for a long time. I mean, Kyle's been there since 2008. Uh, Hamlet's been there since 2006. Um, you know, both in the same car. Um, Truex has been in a Toyota and, um, you know, with that, I guess that sort of team for a little while as well. And that 20 car, you know, that Matt Kenseth, they had, uh, you know, several different drivers in there over the last couple of years. And here we go again, you know, um, Christopher Bell is now in that 20 car. Um, what were your thoughts on this whole, everything we've learned over the last couple of weeks, over the last week here and do you think that Joe Gibbs made the right decision by putting Christopher Bell in the 20 over over Eric Jones? What are your thoughts? I mean, Reverend Gibbs made his choice by going and running uh, Barney Visser and, and now uh, Bob Levine out of business. Um, in the case of both of those men, they made their money in – business in other areas, of course, with furniture, with bedding and and furniture on the on the on the what do you call um uh, Barney Visser side and then with construction on Bob Levine's side. And, you know, we were talking about Dawson earlier during the interview and how they're, you know, a little small team. Um that's where both of those teams started. Uh, in in I mean with Levine I don't know if he ran Xfinity off the top of my head I know that the the, the furniture row did and Joe Gibbs and TRD decided to run the prices up to the point where it became unsustainable which is part of what's wrong with the sport and they, it started with Eric Jones running that second car furniture row they had to get rid of it. Then, then the next year, Martin Truex was running with the '78, and they ran they ran Barney Visser out of business. Then, then he replaced Suarez, who was hurried up because, for whatever reason, whether it is because of Carlos Slim, whether for, because of the sponsorship with Aris, whether it's Carl Edwards decided to quit in the last minute, they ran him up there. He was the R and D guy. 
they ran him out the door. Maybe he didn't have the best mindset. That's a separate story for a, for a different time. Then they put Truex in the 19 car. The 20 car, Kenseth, I think, ended himself when he ran over Joey Logano at Martinsville. And they never was, were really strong with sponsorship after that uh, once they lost Dollar General. Um, and then paying his salary, they didn't want to do it. So then they put Eric Jones in there because he's been their guy. Um, Kyle Busch found him running super late models, got beat by him at the Snowball Derby. Um, they brought him up. He went up all the series all the, through the ladder and uh, won the truck title but didn't win the Xfinity title but came up the cup. A lot of potential, a lot of talent. He's won two points races, two big races, and he won the clash earlier uh, this year. I see this as being Joey Logano 2.0. Joe Gibbs has done a lot of work in terms of developing talent, and that talent going elsewhere and being able to win and do just as well as they did when they were with Joe Gibbs. It it goes with Tony Stewart, um, granted, Tony was already an elite talent anyway, and well, he'd done a lot of things before he even left. He went off, and he was able to win a lot of races and win another championship. Then you you look at Joey Logano. He was hurried up as well because Toyota has this and Gibbs has a thing. And now he's a champion, and he's won all these races, and he's won Daytona. It's like... At the end of the day, I want to see Eric Jones land on his feet, and I feel like if Rick Hendrick is serious about competing in this sport and wants to have somebody that can win a championship, it's Eric Jones. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be an interesting uh, way to look at how the careers of both Chris Bell and Eric Jones go. Uh, Because I think both of those guys are going to be around for a long time. And if if Chevy doesn't take a look at him, then Ford has to really start looking at the 21 car because they're half funding the 21 car. And you have to look at that and say, hey, this is a once in a few, once in a while opportunity to get a guy who's going to be really PO'd and has a ton of talent in a car and a team that has a ton of potential and, you know, really flip the lid and, and flip the script, put Eric Jones in the 21 car. I'd sign for that any day, for sure. I mean, for for Reddit and uh, people who love D-Burrito, they wouldn't. But um, if you want to win races, you want to win championships, Penske kind of hedges a bet by having Eric Jones in that 21 car. I think that's a long-term great bet. Um, we will see them. Yeah, it's really up in the air right now as far as Jones' future is concerned. You know, and, and that's the thing. And it's amazing because it, it's it's hard to believe it. it's been four years since jo- uh, Jones made his debut as a rookie in that 77 car for uh, Furniture Racing. And, you know, you touched on it earlier. It To me, his biggest flaw in, in the Cup Series so far has been his lack of consistency. He'll have what seems like two good weekends and then three bad ones or, you know, three good ones and then two bad ones. And it's just, you know, he can never just find a 10 week stretch or a 12 week stretch where he really runs well 
and solidly, and you go, okay, here comes Eric Jones. It's sort of his coming out party. Um, and, you know, there's there's might be different reasons for that, but I do think he's going to land on his feet, and I think he's going to land in a very good ride, and I think he's going to have a very good career. Um, you know, it just makes you wonder now what the next silly season news is going to be. There's a lot of stuff floating around out there. There's a lot of different rumors um, being floated. I, you know, one is, you know, there could be other drivers being moved. Um, you know, Bubba Wallace kind of hinted at something major after his run, ninth place run on Saturday uh, at Michigan. He kind of hinted at something major happening for Richard Petty Motorsports here in the near future. So we'll see what, what that is um, moving forward. So keep keep it locked here on Talking Circles. We'll, we'll uh, break it all down for you as soon as it is announced. But, you know, it's going to be, I think, a very wild, silly season. And I do think Jones is going to land on his feet. And as far as Bill is concerned, um, you know, I, I know he hasn't had a great year this year, but he got off to a miserable start this year. He was After the eighth race of the year, he was 29th in points. Since then, he's worked his way up to 20th. He's 20th in points right now. And, and that just shows you that he, he's really figuring it out. You know, he's a rookie figuring it out, really having, a, uh, I think, much more consistent runs, having a lot more speed in that uh, 95 car. And I think as the year goes on, um, you're going to see more speed in that car. And John, uh Bell was going to be con- competing for wins in that car, even I think at the end at the end of this year. So I don't think it was totally a, a crazy move, but it certainly put them into a, a peculiar spot. And it's funny that, and it's interesting that Toyota went with Bell other than Jones, and we'll see if they you know um, made the right decision or or the wrong decision here in the next uh, five or ten years as the sport goes along. NASCAR Xfinity Series race fill up this weekend was from Road America, the Henry 180. It ended up with Austin Cedric in victory lane. He led 19 of the 45 laps. A.J. Allmendinger finished second. Chase Briscoe was third. Kaz Gralla was fourth. And Andy Lally, a great run in the Allen Motorsports uh, Chevrolet, he finished fifth. Then it was Noah Gregson, Ross Chastain, Preston Pardis, another great run in Mario Goslin's 36. Ryan Sieg was ninth. And Michael Annette finished in the 10th spot for junior, for junior Motorsports. What stood out to you from the Xfinity Series race on Saturday at Road America, Philip? It was a long delay uh, because of the lightning. Uh, otherwise, a uh, lot of argy-bargy, as uh, as uh, Calvin Fish would say on the IMSA broadcast, and uh, uh, Dendrick doing what Dendrick seems to be doing recently, which is win. Um, I think most everybody thought that Sindrick was going to win that race. Uh, you look at where basically at the start of the race, Michael Annette dropped anchor because he's Michael Annette and uh, causes damage to the Chase Briscoe early, uh, which affected him the whole day, but he still gets a top five finish. Age, the top three was the same top three from Indianapolis. Those, when you look at the Xfinity Series right now, those are the three guys that if you're going to a road course, you're it's going to be between one of those three guys. Um, with with Sindrick, you have uh, Allmendinger, Chase Briscoe. And right now, this championship is between Austin Sindrick and Chase Briscoe. There's nobody outside of those two that I truly see on a regular basis can compete with them. Sure, you could put Gregson in here and there. Uh, 
I, the the Gibbs guys have had the bottom fallout on them for in a sense. Bruckshot got that win at Kansas, but really it's it's Brandon Jones. Uh, the 18 car is is just the uh, just uh, logging laps. He barely is in the playoffs. Then Harrison Burton has had this precipitous drop off, similar to what he looked like last year in the truck, and which is surprising in a sense. But then you uh, you also consider lack of experience. But um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see if there will be much of a change between this last week and this week at Daytona. Uh, you know, credit to Andy Lally, longtime IMSA competitor, uh, street luge competitor, et cetera, et cetera, vegan, all these different things. And he had that, he had the Apache stove throwback to Mark Martin, which is probably why I I was really rooting for Lally to have a good run because that's just cool. Um and Kaz Grala in his second race of the year, both of them getting top fives there, and Preston Pardis, and Dan Pardis' son, really pushing that equipment um, well further up than you would think it would be. Um, credit to him, another top ten finish is a good deal for them. And I, I figure it'll be similar to what we're going to see this week, this weekend if they don't. Yeah, I don't think uh, anybody really agree, uh, disagrees with you there. Sidrick probably going to be the favorite, and I think he is the favorite going into Daytona. And when you look at the points there, um, really what you pay attention to in this Xfinity series is is the top 12, since that's who transfers into the playoffs. And, you know, that uh, 12th place is getting further and further away as far as Brandon Brown holding that last position in 12th. Jeremy Clements is 13th, and then you have Myatt Snutter in 14th. And unfortunately for those two, um, Brown is, is just lengthening the gap. Um, it's 53 points back for Clements and uh, 73 points back for Snutter. Unless they pull off a, a miracle victory, either one of those guys, which they can do. I mean, Clements has won a road course race before. Um, they're they're going to need – and, of course, you have Daytona at the end of the year, which is a, an outlier, but they're going to need some help. Uh, if they want to make these playoffs. Um, so that's something to look out for. And, you know, really for the Xfinity Series, Cedric's been really, really good. We've seen Briscoe, who peaked really in the middle part of the year and, and it's kind of not as been as strong as Cedric here. Uh, then you got Chastain, who has rolled off some consistency recently, but has yet to visit Victory Lane. Gregson, who's, who's visited Victory Lane, has been really, really fast. Um, those four guys, I think, have really been standing out. You have Harrison Burton, who's won, who's won a couple of races, uh, Brandon Jones, you mentioned earlier, he won a race as well, uh, but but Gibbs seems to be a little bit off right now in Xfinity, but I think those are the guys you look at as far as the Xfinity series is concerned. And another road course race this weekend at Daytona, we'll preview that here in a little bit. Uh, truck series race, which, um, again, was on uh, Friday night. It was the uh, Henry Ford Health System 200 from Michigan. Zane Smith was your winner. That was Christian Eckes. And second, Smith getting his first career truck series victory. Tanner Gray, a strong run in third. Tyler Anklin, fourth. Another good run for Todd Gilliland in fifth. Brett Moffitt, sixth. Uh, Raphael Lassard was seventh. Eighth was Derek Krause. Parker Clickerman finished ninth. A really good run for that team. And David Gravel 
uh, finished in the 10th spot. A race that saw a lot of attrition, Philip. There's no question there. I uh, also do a quick shout-out to our, our boy Dawson Cram, who joined the show earlier, finishing in 14th, a, a solid, solid run for him. Um, but a race that saw a lot of attrition, I think I read somewhere that 47% or 48% of this race was spent under the caution flag, um, which is a crazy amount to think about. But it ended up with Zane Smith, who's really had a strong year this year, Philip, um, in the Xfinity Series. Uh, GMS is really showing that they're a strong organization. Smith gets his first win. What were your thoughts on the truck race on Friday? Oh, it was, it was I think there was like the 24 hours of uh, of Michigan there, of MIS. That was, I, that was a precursor to what we saw on, at Road America on Saturday because they were throwing cautions for for farts in the wind. And then by the end, you had Grant Enfinger making Formula One-style blocks right into the infield, uh, which cost him and I forget who else. And he spun out and somebody else spun out. They didn't even throw a yellow, uh, which is un effing believable but you know i've always said that you know i've always said consistently and consistent and selective enforcement and uh that that race was brutal to watch the announcing was just as bad but credit to zane smith and christian eckes those are two guys that uh given you know the right situation right talent both of them are going to be able to do Something Zane Smith showed that in the ARCA series when MDM was around. Uh, he's been the Iran Junior Motorsports 8 car last year, limited races. Now he's in GMS equipment. He's been really consistent. So you got to give credit to him. He's second in points right now, and getting that win's a big deal. It gives him a little seeding uh, help, the possibility of getting some extra bonus points. Eckes has been quietly strong. Another second place finish. One of these days he's going to break through and get that win. And once he does, it's going to be a problem. Last year he won the ARCA championship. He didn't even run the whole season. Uh, you know, uh, he, he's, he's a talent. Of course, Joe Gibbs is probably not going to have somewhere to put him because he's an idiot. Uh, I, I give credit to Tanner Gray guy who's a former pro stock champion, NHRA, learning how to run pavement, learning how to run ovals. And he's been making steps for this, that, that uh, DGR Crosley team won last year with uh, Tyler Ankrum, who finished right behind him. And uh, now they're, they're starting to make progress, whether that progress means they'll make the playoff there and the, they need 40 points or thereabouts basically to make the playoffs, which is asking a lot, but it's, you see the youth and the talent that exists in this sport going all the way, going to Dawson, you know, other people that are in, even with all the the nonsense that went on during that race on a Friday night, um, there's a lot of potential if, if NASCAR and, these teams and some of these efforts can actually go and keep moving forward. There's a lot of potential and talent in this series and, or in, in this sport. And we saw it in full display on uh, Friday uh, night at Michigan. 
Uh, agreed. It, it's uh, there is certainly a lot of talent, a lot of young drivers who are really, really strong. One of the big names outside the playoffs, I was just looking, uh, is Johnny Sauter right now. He is uh, way back as far as points are concerned. Um, he's going to need to win to get himself in. He can do that. There's no question about that. But, um, man, it's kind of surprising looking at the playoffs and the points right now and seeing Sauter 13th in the standings and so far back when he's got teammates who are, you know, uh, Enfinger's got two wins, Crafton's got a win, and then you got Ben Rhodes who's had a really good year. He's sixth in points as far as uh, the playoff standings are concerned. So he's, and he's solidly in. Um, but, you know, Johnny Sauter's on the outside looking in, so, He's somebody to keep an eye on as well. Tanner Gray, you mentioned earlier, he's starting to pull together some some solid runs. It might be too little too late for him, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see these playoffs and, and who could pull off a win because trucks sort of have that, you know, that when you go even deeper in the playoffs uh, standings, in the point standings, you know, you have all those guys who, Rafael Lassard, a kind of motorsports truck, Stuart Friesen, who I didn't even mention, he's got to win and get in. Same thing with Ty Majeski over there at Nice. Um, a lot of drivers who can – you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see a win uh, and pull off a win and get into the playoffs. So that's something to keep an eye on as the season rolls along. But, you know, I, I hate to keep harping on it, but I am just so surprised to see Stuart Friesen so far back. Um, he's got KHI support this year, but it's just been a tough year for him so far on that transition over uh, to um, the KHI and, and Toyota. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here tonight. Uh, we're going to preview the weekend at Daytona, and I know, Philip, there's a lot to discuss as far as what we expect we're going to see. Um, and I hate to group them all three together, but let's try and do that, you know, because it is a triple-header weekend, uh, really a a racetrack that a lot of these guys haven't seen. I know there's some cup guys, Jimmy Johnson, um, you know, Kyle Busch ran the 24 hours this year. A lot of these guys have seen the majority of this racetrack. There's a Chikanian coming off a of turn four now. That's That's new just for this race, but a lot of these drivers haven't run here before. Trucks, Xfinity, um, what are your thoughts on what you think we're going to see? Because, you know, Kevin Harvick just said before, and I think he was kidding, but maybe not. He goes, you know, I'm leading the green. Uh, I hope I'm not because, um, you know, and he probably goes, I don't know where to go. You know, I have no idea where I'm going, so. It's going to be a wild, wild weekend. What are your thoughts on, on this, what we're going to see uh, from all three races here uh, at Daytona the road course? Yeah, he ran – the only time he ran the Rolex was 2002 in a in a AGT, what they call not America's Got Talent. It was a American GT, which is basically what is what we would consider, if you know this, Trans Am or TA1. Or, or or GT1 and FTCA, all these different. So that he ran for the Troy Fliss team, the 90 car uh, that year in 2002. So this is coming off of his rookie of the year and that first Bush Series title that he had. Um, that was when he ran the Rolex 24 in 2002. Tony was running in the prototype class. So I just had to add that there. But the fact they're going to have no practice, you're going to be going and running as hard as they're going to be doing because they're going to rerun in on the straightaway. They're not going to go through the chicane on the initial start. Uh, I expect a lot of carnage. Um, I expect the typical NASCAR stages. 
on a road course to make it really dumb. Uh, in the end, you're going to see the same kind of uh, people that are always up there, not only at the road courses, but in general up there. Uh, you could add, I guess, you could add Clyde, you can add Kyle Busch for guys who haven't had the most amazing year. Uh, but, you know, Harvick has won multiple road races. Hamlin's won road course races. You have uh, Truex has won at both road courses. The only person that's kind of up there contending, the two guys that are up there that are contending that haven't are, are Keselowski and Blaney. Uh, I don't know if I'm wrong. Yeah, Blaney won in a truck, in Brad's truck at uh, Mossport years ago, but you don't know Blaney as a road racer. You definitely don't see Brad as a road racer. Um but this is a wild card of uh, not as big of a wild card as Coke Zero 400, but you consider three huge hard breaking zones with a rules package you're going to not be able to test brand new, literally just for this race. Uh, a lot of unknowns. Um, looking forward to it, honestly. I wish it was Watkins Glen, but, you know, because of, the stupidity of segments of people. We're not going to have Watkins win. We're just going to have to have Daytona. And uh, Spencer is going to be able to go and see it. So hopefully he can give us some uh, inside information on how it was at Daytona and uh, for the fans and everything like that at uh, for the cup race and in general for all the races we're going to have this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a long, long weekend. I don't even know who to pick, you know, you know, we can give our picks, but I, you know, I think Cedric's obviously one of the favorites in the Xfinity series. Um, but it's just going to be, I think, a, a weekend that um, a lot of drivers are a little bit unsure about, to say the least. I think a lot of the owners are a little bit unsure about. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how the strategy plays in. Um, I'm not the biggest road course fan. I've said this in the past. I know I'm into my knowledge. I mean, I, I, you know, you could discuss how I, you know, how I, my dislike for road course racing all you want. You can yell at me all you want. I understand I'm in the minority on that. I get it. But, you know, I'm a more of a oval track. That's what NASCAR does kind of kind of mindset. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, and I understand they had to do it because of Watkins Glen. But me, to me, they had to have – they should have had some practice here. And I think when we get done with this weekend at Daytona, that's the one thing we're going to say is don't ever go to a road course again – um, without practice, because I do think we're going to see a lot of carnage and we could see some big time accidents and, you know, putting these guys, you know, in, in harm's way and not giving them the utmost um, and preparedness to be at this racetrack, I think is a huge, huge mistake. Let me just say that, go on record and say that. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circus tonight. We'll be back here Monday night, breaking it all down from Daytona. I also want to thank uh, Dawson Cram uh, for coming on the show, talking about his 14th place run at Michigan and his Helping Hands uh, campaign. Again, we're going to tweet that out here at the end of the show. If if you want to join and, and, and donate uh, $25 for that cause, you certainly can. Uh, I want to thank Philip Matthew. Great job as always. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.